not globalism, will be our new credo. America, America everywhere. Donald Trump was on script yesterday during his Detroit Economic Club speech at Cobo Hall. He gave us the closest thing we've heard yet to an actual policy speech calling for lower taxes and fewer regulations, adopting the core tenets of GOP Republican economic policy. And he stressed his proposal to renegotiate trade deals to be more favorable to the United States. In many ways, the speech was unlike anything we've seen from Donald Trump, but it was also familiar in a couple ways. It was frequently interrupted by protesters and, as usual, fact checkers had an absolute field day with the things he said. They pointed out numerous mischaracterizations and outright falsehoods. Could this be a turning point for Trump's campaign? That's certainly what his campaign handlers had said going into Monday's speech, that this was the point where you were going to see a more serious and studious candidate for the presidency of the United States. Can he stay this scripted between now and November? Lots of times on the podium yesterday, he looked like he wanted to get back into the more pugnacious, combative Donald Trump that we've seen so far. And did any of this make a difference for you as a voter? Do you have any change of opinion about Donald Trump after his speech yesterday? And if you're a middle-of-the-road Republican, does it ease your concerns about his temperament or electability? The two things that mainstream Republicans have been talking about are bothering them about Donald Trump. Give us a call, 313-577-1019. Did you go to the speech? Did you see the coverage of the speech uh, afterward? What did you think of the things he said? What did you think of the things he said about the city of Detroit? Really, really bizarre and harsh criticism for the city of Detroit from Donald Trump, blaming it all on Democrats and liberals. Clinton policies, he says, are the reason that Detroit has had a hard time. 313-577-1019 to talk about Donald Trump's appearance in Detroit. And here's a little more from his economic speech yesterday. Our country will reach amazing new heights, maybe heights never attained before. All we have to do is stop relying on the tired voices of the past. Tired voices of the past. Probably one of the more memorable lines, in fact, in Donald Trump's speech yesterday. He tried over and over to draw a contrast between he and Hillary Clinton by saying that he is the person with ideas for the future. He is the candidate of the future, and that she is the candidate of the past. Again, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Talk about Donald Trump. Are you a Trump supporter now after what you saw yesterday? Are you more dug in against him uh, because of what he did yesterday, what he said? Did you not love the speech? Uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. And joining me now to talk about the speech is Rick Pluta, Michigan Public Radio Network's Capitol Bureau Chief Rick Welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Good to be back. Yes. Uh, so I saw you at the speech yesterday. Uh, and I along saw you. with uh, lots and lots of other journalists. Uh, give me your uh, quick take on how well Trump did and whether this well, I, does mark a sort of turning point in this, in this campaign. We will see if it marks a turning point. But I, I think maybe the, the, the interesting thing is I don't know that this speech on its own 
would change anyone's minds about uh, Donald Trump. Although I thought it was interesting that they brought in the vice presidential nominee, Mike Pence, to introduce uh, Donald Trump, that, that, that a, the, the prominent Detroit uh, um, construction company leader, John Ricolta, stood up and he was starting to deliver an introduction. And, and like halfway into it, we realized that he wasn't introducing Donald Trump. He was introducing the person who was going to introduce <laughs> Donald Trump. Right. And that was Indiana Governor Mike Pence. And it's, it's, it's a relative rarity to have, you know, both members of the ticket there at the same time because the most valuable commodity a candidate has or a campaign has is is those candidates times but um, Mike Pence was brought in the same for the same reason that he was put on the ticket which was try to um, soothe the fears of the more mainstream sure. establishment Republicans about what a Donald Trump presidency might uh, might mean and so what you know the person that we saw show up was for for donald trump at least disciplined on message he used a teleprompter he didn't um yell at at, at, at people when uh, yell at the uh, demonstrators when they got up and shouted he just sort of stoically stood there as they were uh, let out did you get the sense like i did that Donald Trump was just like holding himself back <laughs> over and over during the speech. I mean, he seemed like, boy, I really want to be Donald Trump right now, but well, I know someone told me not that, to. <laughs> yeah, well, history would suggest that he was holding himself back. But, um, you know, the thing that happened here um, was that, that, you know, maybe Donald Trump didn't change any minds. But he changed the conversation that you look at the headlines today, you listen to what was being talked about on, on the television and the radio news. It was Donald Trump's ideas about the economy and not the way that he treated a gold star family or the fact that he told a woman to you know get her baby out of the rally or something that he uh, yelled at, um, you know, at, at, at protesters as they were leaving, that, that people were actually talking about Donald Trump's policy ideas in in a serious way yeah yeah uh and of course those policies are being heavily criticized i mean for uh, uh, a number of reasons but one is the the gross inaccuracies that he continues to sort of front load uh, uh for these policies i mean he said lots and lots of things that just don't check out yesterday in terms of mm -hmm. where we are in michigan where we are in detroit this dystopic view of what what happened in Metro Detroit and to manufacturing and steel that uh, he said that that government policies are responsible for uh, um, the war on coal and the war on coal workers when I mean government policies certainly have played a role in why we see coal-fired plants shutting down, but it's the low, low cost of natural gas that's actually playing <laughs> a, a bigger part in right. that, you know, that, that, that market economy thing. Um, but, uh, you know, again, at, at the same time, that, that you know, <clears throat> just like Mike Pence was brought in, um, you know, Donald, to, to um, soothe the fears of those establishment Republicans, Donald Trump also did something pretty significant to try to soothe those fears, which he basically signed on to the Paul Ryan House Republican tax plan in terms of reducing sure. uh, income tax brackets and, and, and things like that. So coming in and, again, sending a signal to the establishment that he can play ball. Now, right. he couldn't uh, 
abandon his message on free trade deals because they are so central, so core to what his appeal is to to the the the, the Trump base voter, which is you know the white male who's feeling economically insecure yeah. and to some degree or another blames trade deals uh, for that. So he comes in, he blasts trade deals, he says that uh, we're going to renegotiate them and make them better. Although he doesn't ever say. How? What is it that is specifically wrong with trade deals other than they are bad for America? They ship wealth and jobs overseas. But what is it in them that he would change? To, right, and to, how to would he? And how would he get uh, our trade partners uh, to sign on to trade deals that that look differently? Never. That never is really that is an element of a deal. Is yeah. that it has to be a deal? It's a two way thing. Uh, this is Detroit today on one hundred one nine WDETM. Stephen Henderson, my guest is Rick Pluta. He's the Michigan Public Radio Network's Capitol Bureau Chief. We're talking about Donald Trump uh, appeared in Detroit yesterday at a Detroit Economic Club uh, gathering. Uh, said lots of things about Detroit. Said lots of things about Michigan. Said lots of things about the country. Were you listening? Mm. Did you go? Uh, What did you think of what he said? And joining me now is someone else who was at the Donald Trump speech yesterday. Rashida Tlaib is an attorney with the Sugar Law Center, former state rep from Detroit, and she was kicked out of the Trump rally yesterday for misbehaving. Rashida, I'm surprised to see you. I figure you'd still be in the clink. No, no, there wasn't any arrests. You didn't go to jail? No, no. I mean, they they escort you out. um, (laughs) They don't put you in a room with a light on your face. No, just out, Rick, just right out in the hallway. (laughs) They take your information down and they... And they let as you long go. as you're, yeah, as long as you're not, um, you know, pushing anybody around. Or yeah, anything like yeah. That. So I was, I was actually surprised uh, later in the day to learn that you were one of the 14 people who stood up and and uh, protested during the speech because I didn't see you, <laughs> I didn't see you there, and uh, uh, and I didn't see when you stood up. I couldn't, I couldn't see. I was on the other side of the of the hall, so I couldn't see who it was. Talk about. Uh, first of all, tell us what you said when you stood up. Uh, but I, I got the sense that the that the goal here was to sort of uh, not to necessarily disrupt, but to like bait Trump. Oh, right. That, <laughs> not that, in my case. No, no, it no, no. I think maybe some <laughs> others. You know, but look, a lot of us. First of all, I have to say, you know, listening to Rick and you talk about issues and talk about yeah. revel, you know, really, really important, um, relevant issues about. Uh, you know, uh, what uh, the direction that we want to see our country go in and and so forth. But just things that are of of substance uh, is so important. And that's what's been lacking for the the last few months, even a year, uh, with Trump being in the the race for for president. And so for me, you know, I I start a small group called Moms Against Trump. And, uh, you know, we kind of treat the word Trump like as an adjective because it's it's about, you know, hate and the rhetoric. It's true. Because even when he's done and if he gets elected, not elected, whatever the result is, the dangerous uh, the danger he has caused um, uh, is is done. And uh, our kids increasingly have anxiety. We talk to each other. We try to support each other. Um, but it's been very, very difficult. So I was there, you know, I mean, I, I got up to say, you know, our children deserve better. And I actually said, please stop, stop the rhetoric. Uh, I said, you know, who takes a purple heart from someone that (laughs) earned it? Like, what did you just teach my son? Like, you know, (laughs) and the thing is we try to protect them. I think every mom has, has done, you know, their best. 
But they come back from school and uh, and it's, you know, mama, is Trump trying to take over the world? I said, what? What are you talking about? Something about nuclear. I was like, how do you know about nuclear weapons? You know, so it's things that they're talking about at school. And, you know, for early on for, for me, just as a Muslim, uh, you know, my son's growing up Muslim in America yeah. and talking about, whole, you know, um, not telling people he's Muslim. And I'm like, why? You know, so really having difficult conversations with a 10 year old, it's just hard. So look, I can't pay the millions or thousands of dollars to get into these rooms where I can have a one on one with Trump. And that was my way of having my one on one with Trump. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Got lots of folks who want to talk about Donald Trump. Let's go to Claude and Pontiac. Welcome to Detroit today. Uh, good morning. I yeah. just wanted to say that I'm a fan of Mr. Trump's uh, policies, and that was the best speech he gave so far. Uh, he did say he was going to become more presidential, so I think he was much better behaved than normal. And uh, he's doing exactly what he's been saying all along. And if you just listen to exactly what he says, rather than the 90% BS from the media <laughs> and all the opinions, then you will find out that he is a very, very stable individual in terms of what he said. He's had to modify it a little bit, obviously, because he has to be more presidential. But it's, I wanted Ross Perot to win many years ago, but because he ran as a third party, it allowed Clinton to get in instead of Bush Sr. So now Trump's not going to make those mistakes. All right. so I want to talk about his tax returns, okay? When you're in real estate, you can zero out your taxes legally. That's just how that works. And you saw what they did to the last candidate that revealed his $4 million tax bill that he paid. They, ch they chastised him because he only paid 13%. So yeah. Trump's not going to make that mistake. Well, you know? don't you think that's, Claude, don't you think that's a sign of, uh, of the, the kind of inequality that we keep talking about in this country? The, that uh, people who make millions and millions of dollars pay 13% tax? I, I don't pay 13% tax. I pay closer to 30 uh, isn't isn't that on isn't that a, a fair point about unfairness? Absolutely, and he wants to lower the tax on people that don't make that much money. So that we all but, pay thirteen <laughs> percent, which well, would maybe, which would sort of starve the government of the money saying, it needs, right? He says he's not going to tax people that make below twenty four grand. Yeah. That's more realistic than the existing twelve, don't you think? Well, uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, uh, Although overall, the, the tax always, relief that yeah, that Donald yeah. Trump is talking about, more of it would go to to the wealthy, to people. the higher, you know, to to the bigger earners. Yeah. Yeah. Claude, uh, I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Uh, let's go to Larry in Royal Oak. Larry, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, first of all, a Trump supporter. I am uh, I'm a moderate. I'm a actually fiscally conservative Republican, but I'm pretty liberal socially. Uh -huh. um, and um, I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. I, I'll be honest, I'm more... I'm more um, I'm more offended by the the way that he gets treated by people, including your guests, um, Rashid. Um, I'm sorry, I missed it. Was it Rashid? Rashida Talib, yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. um, where we can't, we we no longer are allowed to have a honest conversation in this country because if someone says something that you don't like, then you just stand up and shout them down. Right. And I don't think that's I don't think that's a that's a way for us to progress. That's not a way for us to come together as a nation. It's it's a way to just keep us divided and to try and conquer us as little peoples. Yeah. All right. And that's our little group. So 
Uh, all um, right, Larry. I, uh, can I ask a quick enough. question? Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Can I ask a quick, just, just, Larry, how long have you been a Trump supporter? You know what? I have been a Trump supporter since Carson pulled out. I was a, I was a strong supporter of Dr. Carson. Mm-hmm. And when he left, I, I, I really thought there's, a, there's an intellectual, there's a thinking person's um, candidate. Who what, is Larry? Be more specific about that. What, 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 what about Trump makes you think he's the sort of intellectual thinking man's king? No, no, I, that that was how I felt about. Oh, Carson, Carson. I said and Carson. I, I, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you what. What I what I think appeals to Trump, and I think what is going to be the shock for everyone on that Wednesday morning in November is that he appeals to a lot of people because he's standing up and saying um, not politically correct things because none of us think politically correct we we might hide it we might polish it but you know inside of our heads i think well i mean people go with their feelings and and with how they've how they've been raised yeah so larry larry i i've got to push back on that i mean the the, the whole politically correct meme about what uh what donald trump was saying the things he's saying are racist the things he's saying are erroneous the things he's saying are deeply offensive uh it's not politically correct to not say those things. There's nothing about political correctness uh, that that prevents you from saying those things. It's decency, right? Uh, Whatever I think about uh, you as a person or your heritage, uh, I probably ought to keep it to myself, uh, and and we ought to be working to try to dissolve those kinds of uh, instinctive differences that you're talking about instead of inflaming them. And that's what Donald Trump's doing when he says, for instance, uh, let's have a religious test for Muslims who want to come into the into the into the country. Let's build a wall with our third largest trading pol- partner and uh, you know a huge cultural partner. Uh, there's nothing politically correct about not saying those things. Those things are. Uh, uh, aimed at dividing us and pointing out, uh, again, these instinctive uh, bigotries uh, that, that, that you rightfully point out that a lot of folks have. Why shouldn't we be working against that instead of uh, pushing for it? And we may your, see... I'll go to your point and ask you, how is saying build a wall, protect our country from illegal access racist? How much time do you have, Larry? Uh, Larry, let's be honest. Look, my son heard him say, I don't know who told him, but that that Mexicans are rapists. I mean, he he goes beyond talking about policy. And other candidates do talk about the wall. And that's not what we're saying is racist. We're saying the things that he says after and before. Those are important things because that's the real Trump. What you heard yesterday, somebody else sat down and wrote for him because I saw his face. (laughs) He was not comfortable being that way. Do you want somebody fake or do you want somebody real that you can see with her? Look. I'm not I'm not a huge jumping up supporter of even uh, Hillary Clinton. I, I'm honest about it. Uh, I, I am struggling, though, in having this person that's running for president of the United States say those kinds of hateful, unconstitutional, un-American things. This is not what our country needs to be going towards. We, we, we need to be fighting against that kind of rhetoric. Larry, uh, even though we, we clearly disagree with you, I do appreciate your listening and, and, and calling in uh, to, to give us your point of view. Thanks very much uh, for the call. Let's go to Pat in Detroit. Pat, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. Yep. I'm just, uh, I've been really struggling wanting to vote for Donald Trump. I wanted to vote Republican the last three elections, but I just can't bring myself to do it with these candidates <laughs> yeah. but with him i think you guys are too hard on him on his taxes 
my effective tax rate last year was 15%. And I didn't cheat. I just took the deductions I was allowed to take by the federal government, sure. and I paid 15%. Why would he want to pay any more tax than he has to? That's the human nature. Well, I don't think... Extra tax? Yeah, Pat, I don't think anyone's saying he should volunteer to pay more taxes than he's supposed to. I think what, what people are saying, and certainly what I'm saying, is that the tax code should be structured in a way that people who make as much money as people like Donald Trump or or others do, uh, ought to pay more than people who make less. I mean, Warren Buffett's uh, example, I think, is 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 pretty apropos here, right? That, that, that he paid a lower rate than his secretary did. That doesn't make a lot of sense, I think. And, and when you talk about uh, the, the sort of growth of economic inequality in this country, one of the things that's driving that, one of the things that makes that possible is the, the inequities that are built into the, into the tax code. Uh, I don't think anyone's talking about individuals paying more uh, as, as uh, volunteers. I think we're talking about policy and the way it affects all of us and our incomes. Uh, but Pat, also the, yeah, the, go ahead, the issue on, on, the, on the tax returns, you know, isn't simply a, a, a debate on tax policy and what it ought to be, that one of the reasons that it is a tradition that presidential candidates release their tax returns is because it'll, and, and it is their, it is certainly their legal right to keep it private. There's no law that says that you have to, but it is a tradition that, that candidates at some point release their tax returns because it tells us something about them about how they handle their personal affairs, sure. um, whether or not they consider um, charitable contributions an important part of their own personal responsibilities. You know, there there are other things that that go into it. It's not simply to debate whether or not you know they they claim a particular uh, tax rate once they've uh, you know once they've filed. Yeah. Whether they you know whether they offshore some of their um, income in order to shield it from taxes is, you know, is also, you know, an issue that we look at when we're examining returns. Yeah. Um, let's take uh, Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning to all. You know what? I couldn't torture myself looking at that whole speech that Donald Trump gave yesterday. <laughs> and you could see that he was tied, that he wanted to go ahead and go, you know, complete oblique angle to what was on those teleprompters. But that aside, you know, what, for lack of a better word, kind of ticked me off was when he was talking about Detroit and the auto industry. You know, I don't know what rock Donald Trump's been living up under, but if he's been paying attention to General Motors and, and Chrysler since they came out of that bankruptcy, I mean, they have picked up market share. Sure. They're selling vehicles that, you know. We had a record buy. year in, in unit sales last year, exactly. 16 million. They're, they're paying their employees, you know, uh, uh, what is it, um, stock option, whatever, whatever profit sharing. Profit sharing, sure. Yeah. And the whole nine yards. And he's talking about Detroit's going to come roaring back. But you know what, Mr. Donald Trump, uh, Detroit <laughs> has roared back. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> no, Tom, thanks. Thanks very okay. much for the call. Rashida Tlaib, uh, I'm curious what your reaction was to the things he said about Detroit. I mean, as a Detroiter sitting there, uh, and, w you know, uh, witnessing the sort of struggle that we've had and continue to have in the city, but also seeing the ways in which we have bounced back. It was like he was talking about a city 10 or 15, maybe 20 years ago, not Detroit today. Yeah. And, and not only that, what struck me 
towards kind of the beginning of uh, his speech, he was talking about poverty, and he actually knew the statistics. I mean, he was saying 40% of uh, people in Detroit right. uh, are in poverty. I, I kept listening to him, and, you know, I kind of, I think the young person that was next to me, I said, you know, he's a billionaire. He could have done something about poverty. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Help us you out. know, before. So sometimes, <laughs> you know, you, you know, words, of course, do matter, especially when you're running for president. But, you know, actions prior to running, uh, actions you do prior to that is, is important. But, you know, you know, was he sincere? No. I mean, it was very obvious that he was reading it. But I, I do think it, I was impressed that uh, that was included, especially coming from him, because I felt the discomfort of him talking about poverty in that room. Mm-hmm. Not to say that people there were, but but they were struck a little bit when he That's was a talking different about crowd, right? it. Was they don't they, normally hear about and, poverty. And the body language and people in front kind of straightened up in their seats when they talked when he talked about people living in poverty and that people not getting talking about the unemployment rate is still still uh, very high in the city. So th- that struck me, and uh, obviously it resonated with me. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I just of course go to well, what has he done? Uh, to try to combat poverty in the United States. Yeah. All right. Rashida Tlaib, attorney with the Sugar Law Center, former state rep from Detroit, kicked out of the Trump rally yesterday for uh, protesting. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. And Rick Pluta, Michigan Public Radio Network's Capitol Bureau Chief, as always, thank you for being with us. As always, it's been a pleasure. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about Russia's role in the presidential politics and the Rio Olympics with Wayne State University professor Aaron Reddish. And stay with us on the phones. We're going to continue to talk about Trump as well. Uh, Kathy in Belleville, Peter in Detroit, Alex in Sterling Heights. We'll get to you. Stay with us on Detroit Today.